0: I.V.M.
1: Technology is a wonderful partner to have in the fight against diabetes. And technology has also grown by leaps and bounds. If the burden of diabetes is increasing, our strength is also improving.
2: What does the future of healthcare have in store for us? How is it evolving to help people live not just longer but better? Health has always been a crucial topic of debate, but it has never been a part of conversations like this before. Welcome to Health As We Know It, presented by Abbott, where we talk about how innovations in health are shifting the way we see, manage and treat it. We have three guests on the podcast. We have Dr. Sanjay Kalra, an endocrinologist from Haryana. Dr. Kalra is the immediate past president of the Endocrine Society of India, the vice president of the South Asian Federation of Endocrine Societies, and he also serves on the executive council of the Research Society for Study of Diabetes in India. We also have with us Dr. Prashant Subramanian, head of medical affairs, emerging Asia and India at Abbott Diabetes Care. And finally, we also have someone who can give us crucial insight into how diabetes care looks like for a person with diabetes. Ms. Nupur Ralwani is a person with diabetes who has been living with it for 27 years. She's a founder of the Blue Circle Diabetes Foundation and a certified diabetes educator. Yes, thank you all for being on today. Thank you, Deviam. Thank you, Deviam. India has the second highest diabetes population in the world with 77 million adults currently suffering from diabetes. According to one study, this number is expected to get to around 124.9 million by 2045. There is evidence now which strongly suggests that the increased incidence of this disease is not limited to the aging population, but rather affects young adults as well. So with more than half of the population at the age of 20 being at risk for diabetes, the threat posed by diabetes is serious. So Dr. Kala, we'd uh, like to sort of uh, get the ball rolling with you. In your practice, uh, what are some of the key trends You've seen with regards to the incidence of
1: uh, diabetes in India. I've been in endocrinology now for 25 years. And there's only one trend and that's upward, upward and upward. The number of people presenting with diabetes is going up. They're coming in at a younger age. Another thing is that patients are coming in a more complicated manner.
2: Noted. I just wanted to know what are the contributing factors to you know the increasing diabetes burden in the country? So how is it impacting the quality of life for the individuals that you see?
1: It's a huge impact. It just cannot be understated. Diabetes is a multifactorial disease. So there are different things that cause the condition. First is biomedical, genetic. Some people have diabetes because their parents had it. For others, it can be autoimmunity. Suddenly, something happens to the beta cells of the pancreas and they stop working. That's type 1 diabetes. Yet others may have diabetes because the pancreas gets damaged. It's called pancreatic diabetes. For others, it can be because of drugs that they take. But in general, the main reason why diabetes is increasing is because of psychological and social causes, not biomedical. The biology was always the same. We've always had the same genes. But now what has happened is we have more stress. Our eating patterns have changed our exercise and sleeping patterns have changed. So now you see younger boys and girls coming with obesity and then with type 2 diabetes. So I think we need to focus more upon the psychological and social factors and see how we can get our hands around that.
2: I think uh, that's a great observation. So I would think that this is an appropriate time to bring Nupur into the conversation. Nupur, can you describe the challenges you faced, especially as a person with type 1 diabetes? How have you been able to overcome hurdles with diabetes as a chronic disease and yet seemingly live life to the fullest?
3: Thanks, Divya. I feel like uh, living with diabetes is more of a marathon than a sprint. It's not about making it to the next day. It's about, you know, every single day. So in my case, that's been 27 years, thousands of injections. Thousands of pricks to check uh, blood glucose. And it's quite a journey. I mean, it's not static. Like the glucose levels, it's constantly there are good days, there are bad days. And uh, I think there are things that make it easier and uh, there are things that make it harder. So, social situations, you know, some preconceived notions around food, these things definitely make uh, living with diabetes a lot more complex.
1: Then there is something known as culinary cruelty. You go to a party. Everybody else is having their uh, cake and uh, sweets and whatnot. You say you want a healthy diet. All you want is a healthy diet. They will not offer you what is healthy. If you're taking something healthy, they will look down upon you and they will force feed you. It's maybe their way of showing affection. It's not a nice way of sharing health. So culinary cruelty. And at the very opposite end of the spectrum, dietary draconism. You've been diagnosed to have diabetes. The doctor never told you to stop all fruits. The doctor never told you to stop everything that is good for you or that is tasty. You can take all these things in moderation. But no, society will say, "Ah, you've got diabetes. You have to stop everything that is good. Anything and everything that is tasty, it's not meant for you. So these are some of the issues which become a real challenge for the person living with diabetes.
3: I think what makes it easier is having a community, having a space where you can share your thoughts, being able to converse with someone without feeling the fear of judgment. You know, knowing knowledge, I think is really, really important. So that's another thing. Having access to the right tools and supplies to manage your condition, that's also really crucial. I can maybe delve into each of them, but I think broadly this sort of covers it.
2: We've all heard in different walks of life, the keywords and hot topics such as uh, data and medtech tech health tech. In your practice, have you heard of them or seen them have an impact that can transform how we measure and manage diabetes today?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, Technology is a wonderful partner to have in the fight against diabetes. And technology has also grown by leaps and bounds. If the burden of diabetes is increasing, our strength is also improving. It's much easier now to screen, to diagnose diabetes and also to monitor diabetes. So what Lord Kelvin said, he is the one who created the Kelvin scale for measuring temperature. What he said was, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. So I think the first step is to be aware that we need to have good glucose levels, why we need to have them. We need to be aware that we should be in range as long as possible. And then the second thing is to begin measuring glucose levels properly and begin measuring the time that we spend in range. The good thing is that we can measure all this now so we can keep our patients safe. We call it the Goldilocks zone, actually. So, you would have read this story when you were a child. Goldilocks went into the forest and she entered the beer's house. And then she saw that some things were too big, they were too high for her. That's hyperglycemia. There were some that were too small, too low for her. That's hypoglycemia. And then there was a size that was just perfect for Goldilocks. That's glucose. Now, glucose is a Goldilocks glucose, it's a Goldilocks molecule. You have to keep it happy. You have to keep it in the right place. If you're able to do that, your endothelium remains happy, your blood vessels remain healthy, and your organs, each and every organ of your body, it serves you well throughout life. We have these good tools available which tell us when our patient is going into hyperglycemia, that's high glucose, when the patient is normal, when the patient is coming down. You can also predict what is going to happen over the next few minutes or hours? You can even get an average of uh, maybe seven days or 14 days. So that gives you a trend. Which way is your patient headed? What kind of changes do you need to make to diet and uh, lifestyle? And what kind of changes do you need to make to the insulin regimen? The biggest change that has occurred now is in the term is in the use of CGM, continuous glucose monitoring. So what you can do, you can apply a patch or a sensor on your patient's arm. He or she does that himself. You can check glucose every 15 minutes. So it's called intermittently scanned continuous glucose monitoring. So when you scan those reports, you get an idea of how your patient is behaving. Are the glucose levels okay? The best part is that this is called a theragnostic tool. Now, what does theragnostic mean? It is diagnostic because it is telling you what the glucose level is, what the trends are. But it is therapeutic as well because when you are talking with your patient, when you're looking at those beautiful graphs in front of you, both of you learn from each other. So these graphs tell you what is going on and you can scan them whenever you want, intermittently scanned. There are different devices, uh, Divyam. In some, it is the physician who will scan and it's physician-led decision-making. And in others, the patient has charged, the person living with diabetes has charged. So she or he will scan We'll get an idea of what is going on and then we'll contact the healthcare professional if required.
2: Is there a particular number of times that a person with diabetes should be using such technology or the technology should be picking up such data on its own? Are there a number of times a
1: day or a week that they should be doing this? It's like a glycemic compass or like a glucose compass. If you know you're on the right way, then you actually don't have to keep on asking, you know, maps. Am I headed the right way or not? You don't have to actually keep on looking for the milestones. But if you're not sure of the way, then you need a compass. Then you keep on checking with maps.
2: So I'd like to bring in uh, Dr. Prashant at this point. Dr. Prashant, you've been patiently listening to everything and we'd like to get your understanding. I've uh, read something where you've written recently previously written about uh, CGM revolutionizing diabetes management. Firstly, could you maybe differentiate between a CGM and a blood glucose monitor? And how do you see, in terms of revolutionizing diabetes management, how do you see CGM devices affect patient experience?
0: Thanks, Dupur. It's been fantastic listening to Dr. Kalra and uh, Dupur. In a sense, two key words that I picked up, culinary cruelty, I think that's going to stay with me for a while. Absolutely, about, (laughs) I agree. And uh, Dupur did mention the social aspects of it, the interactions in society, and people with diabetes do live normal lives, and that means that they will have to take care of themselves. And a routine that they also need to follow is glucose monitoring. And if we are using the age-old glucometers, this means that it only gives you a point value. That means that to have complete control over decisions which we take over the day, that means they need to be multiple breaks. All of us have 10 fingers and it would be really bruising to keep doing it all together every day, every single day. So this is where I think the new technologies such as CGM or continuous glucose monitors come in. So this has obviated the need to do the routine finger pricks or rapidly reduce the number of times that you need to do these pricks. This means that irrespective of the situation, even if you're out having fun with friends, you just need the reader, scan, you have a value and you can take decisions, be it specific to food choices or even be specific to exercise routines. It could also be a pointer for you to go meet with the treating physician to get to know is there something else that I need to do to get the condition under control a lot has changed since the continuous glucose monitors have come onto the market it's been a healthy trend in terms of um, you know people wanting to take control of health which is something that we really cherish and the fact that there are therapies but therapies will work when you take them and therapies also need to be monitored and this is where monitoring comes in as well
2: So I think uh, we sort of get the gist of why CGM could be important. I maybe sort of wanted to understand, you know, nobody have you incorporated firstly, you know, technology like the CGM that Dr. Kalra and Dr. Prashant are speaking? And, And what are the challenges that you sort of undertook and how did you overcome them?
3: The first time I used the CGM, I, you know, it was like I was waking up from, you know, hibernation. I had no idea that, you know, like eating a roti or eating something particular was or something even healthy was, you know, everything impacts your blood sugar. You know, I I remember Dr. Kalra saying that I've heard this before as well. So what you can't track, you can't treat, right? So if you don't know where your blood sugar is going, you can't fix it. So to be able to fix a higher HbA1c or to be able to fix a multitude of problems anywhere from, you know, I'm having too many hypos. Or I'm having a post-meal spike. You know, what change should I incorporate? And well, I don't think there's anybody on the planet that likes to be told what to do. So if someone tells me, you must eat this, I'm probably going to do the opposite. You know, and it's not just for children; it's everybody. So, to be able to to make that behavioral change by yourself, I think the CGM really sort of drives that. So, the CGM, I think, plays a huge role in the way I manage my sugars, and so does, of course, exercise and eating healthy, eating low carb. So, these are things that really help. But I think access to a CGM is pretty life-changing for most people with, you know, insulin-dependent diabetes.
2: Could I maybe simplify it and say that it could help the willpower of someone trying to tackle this issue or it would give them more motivation to do the same?
1: It is uh, correct what you are saying. So this glycemic compass or this intermittently scanned CGM is a good partner to have it. And another analogy would be that earlier when we would check glucose every now and then, that was like getting a series of still photographs. But now it's like a moving film. It's like a motion picture. And that too in full color. So you can see what's going on. You can actually act real time.
2: You're on a roll, Dr. Carla, today. That's amazing. Please, I mean, I hope it continues because we're also getting to know a lot in that sense. So Dr. Prashant, you know, I wanted to know, again, like everyone has said that it is sort of, you know, CGM, it looks at, it marks your, the blood glucose levels. Could you maybe go into the tech of it and explain to people listening that What are the things that a a CGM sort of scans or what do they look at?
0: So with the current technology in the market, what we are able to measure is the glucose concentration with the help of a sensor, which is on the, I mean, it's just stuck on the skin. There's a filament within the sensor, which rests just beneath the skin. And so the filament exists in the space called the interstitial space. And this is not uh, bathing in blood, mind you. So this means that it is surrounded by fluid, which is essentially a filtrate of blood existing between cells. So by measuring the glucose concentration in this medium, we are able to correlate this along with the trends to know what are blood glucose values. So with the help of CGM or continuous glucose monitoring, it's not just a point value or a point estimate of a single value that matters. It's more to do with the trend of values because the fact that the sensor does automatically measure a value every 15 minutes and every time that the patient scans the sensor. This means there's a track record of values and with those, you get those curves with which you can decide to change therapy, to take care of yourself when it comes to lifestyle as well as exercise, diet and whatnot. So currently we are here. The future is exciting in one word, if I have to summarize. So there are uh, currently technologies in the experimental phases which are looking at other biomarkers but specific to diabetes, specific to you know type 2 diabetes, which is when you look at the number of patients with type 2 diabetes, we need to ensure that more and more patients are able to, you know, access this new technology to ensure that they can take control of their lives. So, so much to do in terms of not just looking into the future, but also scaling up or improving the awareness as well as use of these devices in India. And that means we we still are probably scratching the surface in terms of ensuring that everybody has but access to care.
2: But you did bring up another interesting point also related to how as more and more, I mean, if more and more people pick up this technology, I think the CGM technology can like help more. And that that comes from the science of if there is more data for, for technology to work on, the technology will work uh, better. So and then you also said that it could also give you more specific a more specific understanding, a more individualized sort of approach. I want to know, Dr. Kalra, for example, has the use of newer monitoring technologies helped enable or get any level of personalization for treatment plans? You know, that may not have been possible with with earlier traditional solutions.
1: Certainly, that's the biggest advantage. We are actually able to personalize or individualize our treatment regimens now, thanks to the monitoring.
3: And, you know, a couple of years ago, um, I was doing uh, mixed martial arts, MMA, and um, I could see my blood sugar spiking. So I would go for a 60-minute session. And about 30 minutes in, I had my CGM on. I could see my blood sugar spiking. And, you know, when I'm trying to keep my uh, daily sort of range to not go beyond 120, I would be hitting 200 and 250 after exercise without any food or without anything. So, you know, that gave me an opportunity to fix uh, a problem. Problem that w- was in front of me, you know, um, I-, I was able to then I spoke to my instructor, I said, listen, I need to, you know, you need to give me two minutes off, I'm going to take my shot mm-hmm. uh, 30 minutes into the class, I take a unit of insulin, and that spike gets mitigated. Now that wouldn't have been possible without a CGM, because mm-hmm. I would most yeah. likely not open up my glucometer when you know, six other people are waiting for me to come back and sort of participate in the class.
2: But to the doctors on this podcast right now, you know, I'm really having difficulty in understanding what are the reasons why you'd think that you'd get a higher level or a higher reading or a more dangerous reading if you are exercising more? Like, why would that happen? Could you maybe explain that to the people who are listening?
1: Yes, uh, this is an important question. It, It will happen in some people with type 1 diabetes because when you have glucose in the blood, what insulin does is it uptakes that glucose and it puts it inside the muscle. Let's take an equivalent. You are uh, sailing the ocean. You're in the Bay of Bengal. There's water everywhere, but not a single drop to drink. So there's a lot of glucose around the muscle. The muscle is exercising. It needs more glucose, but it's not able to take that because there's no insulin to help transport the glucose from the blood into the muscle. So that's what happens when you're exercising. The trick is, the way Nopur said, the trick is to go a bit slow. Uh, You don't have to conquer Mount Everest every day and you don't have to conquer it in half an hour. So each person living with diabetes will be able to pace himself or herself. And with CGM, you can actually figure out how long should I exercise? With what intensity should I exercise? What kind of exercise should I do? More of aerobics, more of uh, weightlifting. And do I need to take uh, breaks in between? The break can be for insulin. It can be for drinking water. And it can also be for eating food.
2: Understood. Dr. Prashant, would you like to add something?
1: I think Dr. Karl made it
0: pretty clear. I mean, the mechanism behind why the spikes happen and does the interstitial fluid glucose also match up to this? So there's a concept called the uh, lag time between when we scan and get a reading versus a value that you would get with the help of a capillary blood glucose or a normal glucometer. We would also want to educate everybody who wants to adopt this technology to also consider individual situations that there may be rapid rise in glucose or a rapid fall in glucose where the values within the interstitial fluid space would be delayed to catch up with blood glucose. This means we need to be wary and we learn each day. Dr. Carla, I think you may be able to put it into a much more
1: colloquial example than what I could. What you're saying is right. So again, it's a glycemic compass and a compass will help you in long-term planning for your journey, also in medium-term planning, short-term planning as well. But if it is ultra short, then you need to use the compass and you also need to use something that is called uh, common sense. So both things go hand in hand. So good clinical sense, good glucose sense and the person living with diabetes should be able to sense what is going on. To take another example, maps tells you to go straight. But right in front of you, you see that the bridge is broken. So you're not going to go straight. You will just stop and you'll look left and right and then see which way to cross the river. So that's what Dr. Prashant is actually trying to tell us.
2: Great, thanks. We got the technical and the layman sort of explanation. That's amazing. So Dr. Prashant, you know, as we sort of discover more about, you know, glucose monitoring, as someone who's understands the technology over here, how do you see the metrics around diabetes monitoring change and possibly evolve in terms of the kind and quality of data that we get and for a person with diabetes in relation to these metrics uh, how is you know measured progress also evolving
0: with respect to where we are in understanding continuous glucose monitoring so this is big we now do talk about time and range as a norm We talk about the fact that uh, all people with diabetes need to ensure that they spend maximum amount of time within the set range based on a mutual discussion between the physician and themselves. Apart from this, I would say as more and more people adopt this newer form of technology, we learn. And there's a lot of data that is generated with respect to even accuracy. For example, continuous glucose technology has gone leaps and bounds in terms of improving the accuracy of readings compared to where we were two or three years ago. This is possible because we've learned from all of the data points which have been captured since the advent of technology. That means the sensor reading that you get is much more accurate than before. And this gives you an added sense of, uh, I would say freedom or confidence in taking the right decisions while uh, carrying on with your life.
2: Perfect. Perfect. So again, this question is again for Dr. Kalra and Dr. Prashant both that and slightly related to what you just said, Dr. Prashant, that I would just like, you know, to know both of your insights into the future of of diabetes monitoring and management, you know, with the ongoing innovations across therapies, data and and glycemic monitoring. And please feel free to mention any such upcoming or expected uh, innovations. Also, I know you touched upon some of them, Dr. Prashant, uh, but Dr. Kalra, any insight to add?
1: The future is bright. It's never been better than today for people living with diabetes. In spite of all the challenges that we list, in spite of all the concerns, the tools that we have are uh, very good. In the beginning, you mentioned that we have the second largest number of people who live with diabetes. We actually have the largest number of people living with type 1 diabetes in the country. Every year, we have 24,000 people. So we are the type 1 diabetes capital. When you talked about uh, information overload, You're always concerned about whether you're measuring right or wrong. As a person living with diabetes, as the parent of a child living with diabetes, that is the highest priority. So you will forget everything else and you will just keep on pricking your child's uh, fingers, you know, 10 times a day. ISCGM takes care of that. The data is there. It's there in such a pleasant, visually appealing manner. So you pick and choose. If you're uh, sailing or cruising smoothly, you look less at the data. You look less at the glycemic compass. If you're in trouble, you're in turbulent waters, then you look more frequently. That's fantastic, Rokhagalra. I mean, to add from the
0: industry's perspective, it's also a lot that is happening in the connected device space. There needs to be a sweet spot in how we adopt technologies, make sure that it doesn't overwhelm us, or in a sense helps us along the way as much as possible, whereas these technologies come in, make life simpler more convenient for us, that's the way to go. And any strides where the technology takes in terms of maybe improving accuracy, any other parameter that needs to be tested, any other metric that the clinicians would be interested to also monitor is where we would want to be at.
2: Got it. So, I mean, coming towards the end of of this podcast, you know, I wanted to understand that at the end of the day, this is a a technology. Do you have any suggestions for... You know, these newer glucose monitoring technologies like the CGM, any solutions for how they can be easily sort of adopted by, you know, the masses in our and across the country? And are there ways to ensure that uh, such people with diabetes, you know, comply with the use of, of these technologies?
1: We have to convey to each and everyone living with diabetes that these interventions are meant to simplify life for you. We are not complicating your life. We are not intruding into your life. The very opposite. We are actually stepping back and allowing you to live life on your own terms.
2: Understood. Dr. Prashant, anything to add to that?
1: It's been comprehensive the way Dr.
0: Kalra put it. But also the fact that, you know, there are new technologies, but technologies are only as good as people use them. And the more and more people talk about it, are aware that such therapies, I mean, such measuring modalities also exist. is where, you know, we could find some benefit. It stems a lot from the fact that yes, November 14th being the world type day, I'm sure most newspapers did cover this and there were multiple events and news pieces out there. But we need to understand that people with diabetes have to live every single day managing their sugars. It's not just one day and having to you know talk appreciate the efforts that all of the healthcare professionals like Dr. Kalra or patients like Nupur put in every day, Everybody right now has information overload. That also means we have very less time overall to do tasks. And that also means in busy clinic offices, I'm sure Dr. Kalra has a busy day every day, every single day. So it would help if all of us do our tiny bit in terms of talking about the burden, talking about how we can help or even, I mean, at least if not anything, the culinary cruelty and the social uh, pathos that needs to also be you know, removed, that would go a big way in terms of ensuring that we are there.
2: I thank all the guests over here today, Dr. Kalra, Dr. Prashant and Nupur. Thank you. Thank you for for being on this episode. I'm sure a lot of people will learn. And uh, I think uh, in terms of awareness mm-hmm. and advocacy also, this uh, episode will go a long way. Thank you so much for for giving your time.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody.
2: And with that, we come to the end of today's episode, and boy, was there lots to unpack. From Dr. Kalra's incredibly relatable terminologies to Nupur's eye opening experiences, this has been extremely insightful. We're at a critical juncture when it comes to diabetes and its management. Diabetes monitoring technology, through allowing us to understand our body and condition better, is resulting in persons with diabetes having more freedom and ability to make safe and necessary adjustments to their diabetes management regimens. And to quote Dr. Prashant Subramanian, technologies are only as good as how people use them. With more use, more data, comes the opportunity of evolution to an even more intuitive and accurate technology as we move forward. The future of health tech seems quite exciting indeed. We hope the listeners agree. We'll be back with more such brilliant conversations that transform our ideas about health as we know it. This is Divyam Tripathi, signing off.